0: Hello and welcome to Revolution 22's Teaching Podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. Well, good morning. We are a fairly lazy people, and I don't mean to be offensive, but most of us will, if we're really, really honest, we have sometimes days where we are really lazy, and we want to be lazy, and we kind of prefer to be lazy, and sometimes we even justify it, and sometimes we actually probably have days that we deserve to be lazy. But as a whole, we can tend to be fairly lazy, specifically when it comes to problem solving. We can look at it from an angle of what is the minimum I can do to solve this problem? What is the, the least amount of things I can do to make this situation better, to make this circumstances more simple, or to make whatever is bad or struggling better? And we tend to do this on a regular basis as a people. This is just who we are. We have covered through most of the book of Habakkuk. We've gone through every scripture, but there were a couple more lessons that we felt like as a church that we needed to kind of go to out of Habakkuk, things that we've kind of talked about a little bit here or there, but haven't really focused in on. There's kind of two big theme things that we could pull out of this. And so this week, we're going to we're gonna talk about the difficult question of what are we supposed to do with evil in this world. And the next week, we're going to talk more about who God is out of Habakkuk, and this is where we're going to go. And so we're going to cover uh, this from this standpoint. And really, if, again, we've said this over through through Habakkuk, through the series, we've talked about how the real problem in this world is sin. We shouldn't be su- surprised by that. We live in a broken world. Sin has been the problem since the garden. It will be the problem until the resurrection of Jesus coming back. And how that plays out, how that sin comes out, is going to vary in many different ways. We're going to see it in our own hearts. We're going to see it in the hearts of everyone around us. We're going to see it in people that that proclaim God, and we're going to see it in people that want nothing to do with God. But ultimately, we will see evil over and over again. We will see sin, a separation from God over and over and over again. And the real problem with this world isn't these individual sins, it's just sin as a whole, separation from God. And so sin will cause that to happen in all of us. I don't say this to be evasive. I'm not saying this in hopes that you will just say, okay, we can just ignore it and move on. In fact, we see that what the scriptures teach, that for every sin the punishment deserved is the wrath of God, that ultimately that that is what we see is supposed to be done with sin. So when we when we sin, what do we do? When we see injustice, or racism, or pride, or, or sexual immorality, or envy, or corrupt talking, or divisiveness, or anything that is sin and separate from God, separate from the command of his people to be holy as he is holy, what do we do with this? How are we supposed to move forward? We can't and shouldn't be shocked by it. We can't just ignore it. So how do we navigate this world fighting for the kingdom of God to be present here on earth today as it is in heaven? How do we play the part that God has commanded of us as his children, as his followers in this world? Yet, while fighting this, we don't end up fighting evil with giving in to other evils. How do we do that? There's a a formula kind of present in Habakkuk. There's really three things that he says. It's not an exhaustive list by any means, and we'll find other scriptures that will talk about this as well, and we'll get into it today. But there's a formula that we see that's present in Habakkuk. He kind of gives us three big things that we can do, that you and I can do as children of God to engage in evil, especially when we see it in this world, whether it's in our own hearts or in the individuals of others around us. See, in Habakkuk, The the whole book starts with him seeing the people of God sinning and coming to God saying, God, what are you going to do about the injustice of your people? What's going on here? And he is told by God, hey, I've already been working. I'm going to use these people. And these people he uses, the people in opposition of God, they're sinning. And then we see sin affecting all people, whether of God or not. And that's what we're going at. And then even what's even harder is at the end, we even see people of God striving to be faithful, yet experiencing the consequences of others' unfaithfulness, as in Habakkuk's case. Habakkuk shows us three things that we can do with evil when we see it. I'll pull another scriptures to hopefully drive this home more, and I most definitely won't be able to cover every single one of them. But what do we do with evil in the world? How do we do this? Out of Habakkuk. He says there's three things. We're going to cover them. He he says we see that he gives it to God, he listens to God, and he trusts in God. When we see evil, when we see evil happening to us, what we see out of the kind of the formula in Habakkuk, the very first thing we're supposed to do is to give it to God. Whether it's in our own hearts or in the, is something that we're aware of in the world around us or in the church, we are to first and foremost give it to God. We see that in Habakkuk 1, verses 2 through 4, that we are to give it to God. First thing we do. Now, he didn't. we don't know what Habakkuk did necessarily. We're not sure how he played out. We're, we don't have any other conversations for the rest of the time. We're not sure if he went and posted on Facebook or if he was complaining to some of the other people first. But what we believe, because of the authenticity and the rawness of how he approached this letter, we believe that he came to God first, first saying, God, you are who you say you are, and I want you to solve this problem. So the very first thing we are to do as his children, if we see sin personally, is we're supposed to confess this to God. We see this in 1 John 1 through 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all Unrighteousness. So we have a marching orders of what we want to do. What we're supposed to do as people with sin is our own lives. We are to confess it to God, to take it to God. But this applies the same way to any other thing we see in this world because here wasn't complaining of his own sin. He was complaining of the sins of his people. And so we're supposed to first go to God. We're supposed to go to him in prayer. Well, do you pray? When you see evil in, in or around your life, in your own heart, do you pray? Maybe the better question is, do you believe in prayer? Because I think that's too often the bigger question. See, if I believed in prayer, then I believe that God is who he says he is. Then he's the only one that can take the evil from my own heart or the hearts of others, and he can do something with it. Then I have to believe that there's actually power in that prayer, not in how I'm praying, but in the one I'm praying to. Do you believe that? Because if we believe that, I believe that we would pray very differently. I believe that we'd see it not as a last-ditch effort, Or when we tell people, hey, I'll be praying for you, we'd actually be praying for them because we believe something would happen in the prayer, not just saying it to make them feel comfortable that we might, if we remember later on, to do it. Do you pray? Why is it important that we pray to God? Because he is just, he is faithful, he is good, he is righteous. We're gonna talk more about who he is through this letter, through this text, and so we'll, we'll talk about that next week, but ultimately, for us today, we have to recognize that when we see sin in our own life or sin in someone else's life, especially within the church, we have to believe Philippians 1.6, that he is going to complete the work he began in them. Really, if we don't go to God, if we aren't willing to give evil to God, then we're saying that, God, you aren't a part of the equation to fixing this. I got this. I'll do it on my own. I don't need you. I can do it without any of your help. How often, instead of going to God, do we complain to each other? How often do we go to God with evil? Do you believe that not only the answer to sin and the power to defeat it comes from God? If so, then, then the first step of going to God and giving it to him should be a natural process for us, should be an easy option for us. It shouldn't even be a question mark of whether or not this is what we do. When we are confronted with evil in the world, no matter what it is, the first thing we should be doing is be sitting before the Lord on our faces before God, giving it to him, saying, God, you deal with this. You settle this. You solve this problem. So many of us skip this step. And really what we're saying is we're showing that in our heart, that our prayer and that God you are praying to is incapable of doing anything about evil if we don't go to him with this. If we don't believe that we as his children should model what Habakkuk showed here when he said, you deal with your people. You do this. If we don't believe that, then we believe that God can't do something with evil. It's almost more of a faith issue than a prayer issue because the outpouring of the faith you have that has been given to you by God would cause you to fall in utter dependence on the God who created you. The God who has the strength to do what he says he can do. This is the first thing that we see Habakkuk doing when he's confronted with evil. He goes to God. Again, there may have been other things, but this is all we have in the Scripture. The second thing we see him doing when we're confronted with evil is he listens to God. The second thing that we need to be doing is we need to listen to God. We see this in chapter 2, verse 1, 3, verse 2, and 3, verse 16. We see it all over in Scripture, really, or all over in Habakkuk, because he keeps talking about how he heard from God. You don't hear from God unless you listen for God. You're not going to hear from him if you don't stop to listen to him. Not only did he give it to God, he gave it to God in a way that he was willing to wait for him. We talked about this a lot in kind of how to wrestle with the Lord. And one of the steps in wrestling with the Lord was to wait on him expectantly. And we saw this really modeled well in chapter 2, verse 1. He shows how we are to empty ourselves and to take action and to to actively be looking to Scripture. He talks about these different things in this section. But ultimately, we see this in Psalm 130 as well. Psalm 130, verse 5. Through six, it says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in His word, I hope my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. Guys, this is not a simple waiting. This is an active, a waiting that believes that He is going to answer. This is why I said earlier about prayer, it may be more of a faith, answer, a faith issue, because if you don't believe He's going to answer, you probably have a faith crisis. Do you believe in waiting on Him, emptying yourselves? speaking truth over yourself, being in a position that isn't tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Are you willing to wait for God to answer? And sometimes the answer can take a long time. Just look at the scriptures and the lives of the people that God used there. Years sometimes of waiting. Are you capable of waiting for God if that's what he's asking of you to do? Waiting is extremely difficult. It needs to be powered by the Holy Spirit We only wait for something if you believe it's coming. If you've been to Disneyland, you've seen how long the lines are. You only wait in those lines because you believe the value of that ride is worth it. You will only wait in prayer before the Lord as long as you believe it's valuable to do so. You only wait if you believe it's actually coming. Do you believe that God is going to speak to you? Do you believe that he is speaking to you, not just through his scriptures, but in conversation with you? Does he answer your prayers? Are you willing to wait? We shouldn't be looking to the resources of human wisdom. I am telling you right now, I am amazed at how many believers are looking to resources of man to solve a problem that is incredibly perplexing right now when the only one that can solve this is the Lord. I'm not saying we can't study and we can't look to those and can't try to figure out how to navigate it, but have you spent any time giving it to the Lord, any time on your face before him, waiting for him to answer, saying, God, what do you want from me in this time? The second thing that Habakkuk does is he waits. He even says, I will stand my watch. I will stand here and I will wait for your answer. No matter how long it takes, no matter how much pain may come at me, no matter how much my circumstances may change, I will wait. Do you believe in waiting for God? The first thing that Habakkuk did was he gave it to God. The second thing is he listened to God. If you can somehow make it through those two steps, we see the third thing that he does, which is ultimately when he sees evil in the world, he trusts in God. Ultimately, we see this in chapter 3, verse 19, where he says, God, you are my strength. He recognizes that the only way he's going to get through evil, the evil that he sees, is by truly trusting in the person of God. The person of God that, that... Proclaims all the goodness of what he's done in the past in the Exodus story. That's where the song comes through the first, the whole chapter three. This God that is capable of doing amazing things, this God has shown over and over and over again that he is about his covenant people and he will sustain them. He trusts in the strength of God, not in his own strength. You can't, you can only say that you will trust in God. If you really believe that, that means that when we see evil and the results of fixing that evil need to be given to God. If you think that you can be the one that fixes this, if you are the one that has a solution, then you're going to go about it from your own strength and you're going to go about it looking for ways that you can do it as opposed to Him. We have to be willing to give the results to God. Philippians 2.3 tells us to do nothing out of selfish ambition. How many of us have been confronted by evil and have selfishly tried to take care of it? We have to be willing to do it this way. But Jesus says it a totally different way. He says it in Matthew five, sixteen, this way. He says, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And many of us stop right there in that verse. Many of us stop right there. We let your light shine before men so they'll see your good works. And many of us stop right there, and we forget that this goes on. It says, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The point of your good works isn't for you. The point of your good works is so that people will see what you do, see how you operate, and they will give glory to your God who is in heaven. We are to do nothing from selfish ambition. Our steps are to be taken in a way that he and he alone will get the glory for it at the end and through the whole process. One of the other ways that we see Habakkuk trusting in God was, was chapter two, verse four. He says, the just, the righteous shall live by faith. The faith was given to him by God, and therefore he can't claim it as his own doing. Right? It's not a work of our own. It's him and him alone. And so Habakkuk says, I will live by faith. I will. I am not only justified by faith, but I will operate and walk by the faith that is given to me. Again, not my own doing. It's God in me. God will complete the work. He's going to accomplish what he has set out to accomplish. He is a very patient God. 2 Peter 3, 9 says that. He's incredibly patient and he's at work. Do you trust him? Do you trust him that even though the circumstances and what you understand today and the way it looks right now, do you trust that he's at work? Do you trust that his patience is a character that is at play in the middle of the difficulty that you're going through? We run from evil and pursue righteousness with faith when we know that he will hear our cries, 2 Peter 3, 12. We know that he will answer our prayers, Matthew 7, 7 through 12. We see this all through Scripture over and over again. He will give us the strength to carry out his will, Isaiah 41, 10, and he will and does get the glory for it all. We see that everything we do is done by his strength. So then this is the answer. This is the formula that we see in Habakkuk. Give it to God, listen to God, and trust in God. And many of us want to go, okay, that's great. So what do I do? What what can I do today? How do I deal with the evil that I see in my friends, the evil that I see in the church, the evil that I see in this world, the evil that I see in this nation? What do I do with this? And so many of us want to run to doing something that we forget that we've already done something if we've done these first three steps. Giving it to God is doing something. Listening to God is doing something. And trusting in God is doing something. But just so I don't get yelled at, I'll give you guys something else to do since we are a people that want to know what can we do. There's one more thing that we don't really see entirely out of Habakkuk other than we see that God tells him to do one thing. What is the one thing that God tells Habakkuk to do? Write it down. That's his that's his, that's his call to action. Write this down. Make this apparent on tablets. What I'm about to tell you share this with people there you go there's his work habakkuk was only told to write this down and then he was also told to wait that's another thing he told him god wants obedience more important than the causes we fight we see all over scripture he tells jonah to go and speak he tells joseph, he gave joseph a dream He tells Abraham to leave his land and to live. He tells Moses to confront Pharaoh and to lead. He told Noah to build. He told Jeremiah to weep. He told Joshua to be strong. And he tells Daniel to pray. Guys, he tells us all over Scripture what to do. And never is it the same thing. And this is what baffles me, is that even today, as the church, we start getting mad at people by not doing the way we're doing it. What if God is speaking to us separately different things to do? We are ultimately told to move for him. This is the the fourth thing we can do, is move for him. When he asks you to do something, be obedient and do it for his glory alone. In all over scripture, he tells people to do different things. So how foolish are we when we expect everyone to operate the same way with evil today? Another thing that we have to be careful about before we move on to this moving for him, and I give you a few more things to do, is if you look at the book of Ephesians, he talks about sitting with the Lord and walking with the Lord and then standing for the Lord. You see this progression through the book of Ephesians. So often many of us want to leave the seated position with God to start walking for God. You never, ever leave the position of complete dependence on God. You should actively, continuously be giving it to God and listening to God. No matter what he asks you to do, we are to move forward. So if he asks you to pray, then pray. If he asks you to fight, then fight. If he says wait, then wait patiently, expectantly. If he says talk, talk. If he tells you for some reason to post it on social media, then post it on social media. If he tells you to march, then march. He will answer. And when he does, your first and only response is complete obedience to what he says to do while staying true. And this is key. This is key. If we're going to move for him, we got to stay true to the character that he commands of us in all of his scriptures. We don't get to operate in a movement for him while completely disregarding other aspects of what he commands of us. We see this. This is this is this is what happens on a regular basis when we ask, what do we do? With any and all evil that we are confronted with, what do we do? Well, first Peter 3:9 says this do not repeat evil for evil or offenses or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. If we just practice this in our life today, could you imagine the difference of what would be going on right now? If instead of, instead of when someone, someone speaks poorly of us and we send, start speaking poorly of them, instead of doing that, if we just blessed those people, what if we just got this right in the church? I feel like social media would be a lot more boring because people would be getting along. This is what we're supposed to be doing. If we're going to move, we have to move for him. And the only way to move for him is to stay true to the scriptures that God has given us. The way that this plays out, one way that this plays out, I think, poorly, where we start doing this is we forget that God sees all sin as sin. Your little kind of basic lie is no different Than murder in God's eyes. It's all sin. There are different consequences, sure. There are all different actions that will happen, absolutely, but all of it is separate from God, and all of it is deserved the wrath of God. There is no difference there. Well, when we operate that way about sin, then we unintentionally operate that way about Scripture. And what we do is we start elevating one Scripture over another. We start saying, well, this Scripture must be more important. I'm going to align myself to this. I'm going to give myself to this. And then we disregard the other one completely. A way I've seen this play out commonly right now is anger. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that are just angry. They're angry about COVID-19. They're angry about our, our country. They're angry about politics. They're just angry. And I'll have conversations where it'll play out like, well, I know I'm, I'm not supposed to sin in my anger. But I don't know how to do this. And I see people kind of wrestling with this. But while all the while they're wrestling with anger, you know what they're forgetting? Is that God commands us in 2 Corinthians to walk by the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, to walk. That means as you go, to live daily by the Spirit. Well, just in case you're wondering, anger isn't a fruit of the Spirit. It's not in there. Anger isn't in there at all. So we sit here and try and figure out how to have righteous anger and forget that we're supposed to be walking by the fruit of the Spirit that has no anger in it. We elevate Scripture over other Scripture. We disregard evil for other evil. And just in case you wanted one more reason to be careful with your anger is James 1.20 tells us that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Why are we playing with these things? We should be giving it to God. We should be listening to God. We should be trusting in God. And we should ultimately be moving for Him. Everything we do is for him and his glory. It's not our strength anyways. It's his. When he speaks, we must act obediently. To him who knows what he ought to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. James 4, 7. If God has told you to do something with evil and you don't do it, you are sinning. Just in case you're wondering, like, well, I don't, I don't know what else God is commanding. I don't, I don't know what to do with this sin. I just kind of want to put up a head in the ground. No, actually, unfortunately, there's a command that comes to you, whether you've prayed for or not, is that you are to be light and salt to this dark world. That means in every interaction and in everything you do from the way you parent, the way you work, the way you eat, the way you sleep, the way you do your hobbies, and every single thing you do, you should be doing it in a way where you are light in this dark world and people can see the Father in heaven through your good works. You are to go and be light and salt, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are to make disciples, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You are commanded to do these things whether you ask for it or not. If you are a child of God, these are expectations of us. So move for him. We also see scriptures that encourage us to walk close enough with people that we be celebrated if we turn a brother from sin, James 5, 19 through 20 we see that we are to be ministers of reconciliation that means in everything we're doing we're supposed to be ministering people to reconciliation the reconciliation that we have from Jesus Christ second corinthians 5:11 through 21 and all over we see that we are to pursue righteousness we are told to not only say what we believe but to work this out in faith james 2:14 through 26 guys there's plenty of work us to do. There's plenty of things for us to do in this world. There's plenty of ways in which we can combat evil. We can confess it in ourselves. We can we can rid it. We can walk with brothers and sisters and and turn them from their own sin. We can do all of these things, all the while being true to who God is, and all the while giving Him the glory, because ultimately, He is the one that is going to do this. We will be confronted with evil over and over and over again. If it's not COVID-19, guys, it's just going to be something else. It's going to happen over and over. And over and over again, and like we said last week, what is your joy set in? Because if it's anything but the Lord, you are going to have a very disheartening life. But in evil, we have our marching orders. Give it to God. Listen to God. Trust in God and move for Him. And if that moving is just wait, then wait. If it's just pray, then pray. If it's go, if it's march, if it's do what He's at, you got your orders, then go. Don't do it in a way that disregards other aspects of who He is and what He commands of us in the Scriptures. So what do we do with evil? We do what only we can do. We let the Lord take care of it. We ask him to play whatever part he wants of us to play while giving him the glory for every aspect of it. There's oh so much for us to do with evil, but we must never run to do without first giving it to him, secondly, patiently listening to him, and third, trusting the results to him. In this posture, do. Move, don't be lazy. Don't stick your head in the sand. Don't wait for someone else to solve it. You ask the Lord. You plead before the Lord. You ask him to do something. Nowhere in here are we commanded to be lazy. In fact, you have work to do until he takes you up. But this world and this work and this evil should do nothing but excite us more for him coming back because there will be a day. There will be a day where there will be no more evil where our bodies won't be deteriorating, where there won't be brokenness spilling out in every single person around us. We will be whole and together in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is what we look forward to. That is what we fix our eyes on, trusting that he will accomplish what he began in us. He will finish it. We shouldn't be complacent to evil. We're not a part of this evil kingdom. We are a part of God's kingdom. And therefore, we should be living in that kingdom. We should operate in that kingdom. We should should be combating any kingdom that's in conflict with that kingdom. In a God honoring, God ordained, God stepped out, God led way, not on our own doing. We should be grieved by evil because it's not God's way. Every evil we see, we shouldn't be complacent or or numb to. We should be saddened and grieved by and then ask the Lord, what does He want us to do with it? What does He want to do with it? Or maybe we can just ask Him like a back, hey God, what are you doing with it? And He may turn, what I'm doing with it is I'm going to ask you to do this. But ultimately, He is the one that will cause the change. is the one that will create the lasting differences. You have your marching orders. The band's going to come up. We're going to worship. We're going to end in worship. I want to just encourage you to not waste this opportunity. If God has shown you anything through this book of Habakkuk, if if he has challenged you in any way, don't just go, oh, that's neat, and it was so good, and I'm so glad, and I learned something. Ask the Lord what he wants you to do with the things he's given you. Ask the Lord for clarity to how to move inside of what he's asked you to do while staying true to his character. Don't waste it. And if right now God is confronting you with evil, if you feel overwhelmed by the evilness of this world, then I would challenge you, I would encourage you, I would plead with you to give it to God. We thank you for all you're doing. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your work. Thank you for the way that you have, and thank you for the way that you have brought life into this evil world, even in myself. God, thank you for never, thank you for never never giving up on me. God, forgive me for the ways that I have moved without at first seeking you, first asking you to ask, help me to know what to do. Forgive me for the ways that I have I have asked you and then for, been too lazy or too too impatient to wait for you to actually speak to me. And God, please forgive me for the ways that I continue to work, trusting in myself and not in you. God, we know that no results are our own, but only results from you. You are at work, God. You are You are against evil and you beat evil. You have crushed even death through Jesus Christ. We stand in you victorious to all evil. So may we not get bogged down by it. May we not get lost in it. May we not get mistakenly confused on how to operate it, but instead we just rest and be at peace knowing that we are ambassadors of the Most High King. We are, his, we are your children. We are his co-heirs. And in doing so, God, we are ministers of reconciliation. And therefore, when we see evil, God, we ask for your freedom to run. But God, I pray that we would first ask you how to run, where to run, when to run, and we would do so in a way that only brings glory to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org. We encourage you to not neglect meeting together as believers. And may you continue to love God and love others.